I'm Michael. I'm an entrepreneur, small business owner, investor, improv artist, tempted stand-up comedian, a wannabe actor, and as always, I'm very, very neurotic. And I'm your host and a TV host for what we call Second Scene Podcast. It is a Dweebs Global production. That is why we do this podcast. They give free mentorship help, anything from resume writing to mental health. They have it around the world, every language. It's completely free, completely confidential, literally free, dweebsglobal.org. So I'm here today with Flobo Boyce. Did I say your whole name correctly? That is correct. And shout out to Dweebs Global, doing good things. I appreciate that. They are. We love Dweebs. We love Dweebs. <laughs> so Flobo was in corporate marketing for many years, but has now turned his attention to being the one getting attention. He does everything from comedy, DJing, hosting a wrestling podcast, event hosting, esports commentating. I think this just name a few, and they are quite the variety, I would say. You really yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tell people that the... The brand is that I get to be myself, and that's a good thing to have because yeah. I've been in offices where you weren't yourself. So yeah. that's always good. So are you a wrestler? <laughs> oh no, you know what? I that's the one thing I haven't done. So when I got into, I was a wrestling fan forever, but I got into like wrestling production and promotion. I was too heavy. I was like three hundred and seventy-five pounds, and like what? not like built. I was like a really unhealthy three seventy-five. Because in wrestling, you could be three seventy-five and be a house and be like great. But I was really bad. So I got into commentary. I got into interviewing. Uh, then when I lost the weight, I was well into my thirties, and I was like, I'm not going to start wrestling. You could, but I'm not going to start wrestling now. So I kind of <laughs> kept myself on the other side of the camera. Right. How'd you lose the weight getting into mostly what you like? You're sitting down a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? I'm not sure about the branding situation on second scene, but the subway diet. Uh, I yeah. lost 80 of my first 175 pounds on Subway Club sandwiches from the sandwich shop. Really? So it works. It works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would say no mayo. <laughs> Skip the mayo, but it did work. And uh, back then, I'm talking about 2009. 2010, there was a five dollar foot long promotion. Now it's a foot long will sit you back like twelve dollars. So don't I don't recommend it. But back then I was like, yeah, I was in grad school. I was I wasn't cooking anyway, and so I would go two times a day, six days a week, and get a subway sub and and eat those. Uh, and then when I said, hey, look, uh, I guess your diet does matter on some level. Let me learn about nutrition. And it became a, a process thereafter. But I was like three twenty five at my heaviest. I'm about. 215 on a good day, 220 yeah. on a on a bad weekend. Wow, I can't <laughs> <Yeah>. picture that. <laughs> I'll send photos, it'd be great. Yeah. So I, I I ate Subway almost every day, but I put a lot of Chipotle sauce. I oh yeah. But no one goes to Subway for the taste. You know, it's right. kind of like, well, it's there. And I know if I have a burger, I'm gonna feel bad. Let me get mm -hmm. something that isn't nearly as good. And then you like put whatever you want on it. Like my sandwiches are swimming in vinegar, just just because no <laughs> the meat's not great. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. Well, what what originally had you make the shift from corporate marketing to, you know, really putting yourself out there and putting yourself in front of the camera and front of audiences? Uh, it's a good question, Mike. You know, like the can I call you Mike? I felt like I, I kind of overstepped that boundary. Nope. Like it's Michael, <laughs> sir. No, um, <laughs> during the corporate life, so that was kind of a journey of of, of working in entertainment, uh, then moving into like. Um, uh, test and measurement equipment rentals and and I sold hand sanitizer that was my, my last day job uh, okay. there was always a drive and desire on on the side you know I, I wanted to think about doing it. it'd be kind of cool if I wrote the book it'd be kind of cool if I did stand up it'd be kind of cool if I did this or the other thing but what really uh, got me uh, to jump is that I was pushed uh, I worked for a company, I won't name them because I had a bad experience with them, but they were a non-mortgage bank lender. I was in their HR department as far as a, a talent manager. So my job was to make the company cool via marketing. So instead of saying, 
sign up to work at Facebook or Google, you would uh, have the requisition for a job and it was your job to make ads to target different segments. Single mom, join us. Veteran, join us, that sort of thing. Uh, I got let go on Thanksgiving Day, 2017. I was in Vegas. I was I was celebrating it because I'm not a fan of Thanksgiving, but my girlfriend at the time was, so we kind of compromised. So I'm I'm living life. I'm having the robe. I'm getting chocolate set up to my room. I go, <laughs> I'm being paid well. I got this. And I got a call from accounts payable saying, hey, we want your address to confirm where to disperse your 401k. And I'm like, why would you disperse that? And they're like, oh, sorry, call you back. <laughs> and so really I was, yeah, I was fired. And so I it was it was November. Mm-hmm. You know, companies don't really hire in December. Right. I'm freaking out because I'm in a hotel in an expensive city thinking I had the money guaranteed on next payday that it paid didn't exist. And all I had in the back of my, my closet was an old DJ controller that I did when I was doing my side job. And so that weekend, I just stripped my website, which was supposed to be called blog at the time, and said, DJ Flobito open for business to catch engagement season during the holidays. And that was a last grasp effort in 2017 just to make ends meet. And so it became an empire, quote unquote, because the job is still going and I got some awards for it. But there really was a time, I would say a year and a half after making that decision, where it was scary. Were you worried at house going, how am I going to provide for myself and, and my significant other at the time? So um, yeah, I was pushed. I landed, sort of. I kind of tumbled down <laughs> the hill. Well, not, <laughs> it's not smooth, but uh, I'm, I'm still alive, you know? Right. Well, I mean, to to make it in the entertainment industry in any way whatsoever is amazing. Uh, I mean, it, it takes a lot of grind and, and uh, a lot of trust in yourself. Yeah. Selling yourself. Yeah. And <laughs> self-doubt never goes away. No, no. I was talking about somebody else. We never feel like we grow up, right? It's never. No, never. <laughs> I don't know why that is, because my dad at my age now had a house wife two kids like like struck a mustache like a structure and i'm just going like man do i want to have ramen twice a day nah <laughs> <laughs> gotta get a vegetable somewhere do you think he, do you think he felt like he was growing up then or do you think he still felt like he was faking his way through I asked him this question about a year ago. And of course he's like, oh, I knew what I was doing. I came to this country with $500 in my pocket. But I think now no, everyone deals and struggles and stuff. You know. Yeah. But I do think, I don't have kids of my own, but if, if someone goes, dad, I'm hungry, you got to find a way to make it work, right? So I think we all deal with it. I think all of us struggle and it's it's okay to ask for help, no matter what that help is. You know, Even if you do it pretty well, second set of eyes can't hurt. You know, that's why I like programs like at Dweeb's Global, because you can totally like, hey, I need help or whatever. But no, I asked him that uh, once. He looked at me like I had two heads. (laughs) It was like, it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have two kids. I have a family and everything. I don't feel like I'm growing up. Like that didn't, that's not what made me feel like I'm growing up. It it put more responsibility on me. (laughs) I feel like I have more responsibility. I have to like do it, not just for me, but I'm still feeling like I'm faking my way through. I feel like maybe- The only thing is, sorry to cut you off, but the only thing I think is that we can tap into nostalgia anytime. We can like look at cartoons from YouTube and not and, and go, you remember when I was a kid and then yeah. reminisce and go back to our jobs, you know, but other than that, you're right. That's true. That's true. I wonder, it's, it's probably also a generation thing where our fathers had to be braver, be braver. Our fathers had to appear stronger or, uh, you know, not look weak in any sort of way where I think our generation, it's okay a little bit and the next yeah. generation is going to be even more okay. Yeah. Yeah. Emotions are right. Yeah, we can we can speak more of the truth of who we are and and uh, and how we feel with a lot of it.
Yeah. Crossing fingers. Hopefully it doesn't change. Because sometimes <laughs> it's like a pendulum, right? There might be a counterculture movement. It's like, forget feelings. I'm just going to go true. back to... <laughs> it's true it's true um so what did you first so you first got into djing i guess that was already already a hobby of yours because you had it in your trunk so this wasn't yeah nowhere had you already been performing djing you already had the confidence to get out there and so in the timeline of entertainment djing is really 15 2015 2016 i think comedy came first uh because i became a dj when I went to a DJ company, which is called a multi-op, uh, basically, if you try to get married, there's really two kinds of DJs. There's single ops, which are like a guy who's like, I'm a DJ, or small companies. And there's like DJ farms, where you go to like fun time DJs incorporated, you give them lower money, and they give you a guy that shows up day up. So I worked for one of those. Yeah. Uh, but I went as an MC because I did comedy before, because DJing is such a technical craft, a lot of DJs don't want to talk. So I went there and I was like, I do stand up. And, and if you want to talk about that, I'd gotten to stand up due to a near death experience. Um, but when I was doing these gigs, I had an event where DJ didn't show up and I was just the MC with no music. I went back to the company. I was like, you guys teach me something because this the wedding was still ruined. Even though I showed up, the wedding was, was kind of over with. Wow. So they, they taught me very basic, like left channel, right channel, start, stop, stop. And I was off to the races and worked for them for two years, got to my own business, took classes, saw YouTube videos, YouTube university. Uh, so that's kind of like what it led to. So if it wasn't for comedy, I wouldn't have been an MC. And if it wasn't an MC, I wouldn't be a DJ. Oh, wow. Okay, so you started out with, so, so comedy was even before the DJing? Yeah, yeah, it was a near-death experience. Uh, so we talked about me being heavy about a minute ago. Uh, so I have lost the weight, uh, 175 pounds, naturally. I didn't do any uh, uh, lap bands or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I had excess skin that was impacting like my workouts. I couldn't jump, for example, because it was like I had like a, like, you know, I just had skin, lots of skin. Right. And so I had the skin removed uh, the, the day after Christmas, uh, 2013. And three, which is, which is called the flirty leamdioplasty. But I have an incision okay. that goes from my, my breastbone to my pelvic line. And then another line that goes from my hip to hip. So it's like an inverted T. They basically cut you up, fillet you, and put you back together. Wow. Uh, three days later, I um, a four-inch gash on my right side, my suture line had reopened. And it wasn't a suture in that it was stitched. It was like a, like a glue because that was like surgical glue. They can like stitch your things together. So mm -hmm. it had reopened up and I was bleeding out on my couch. Wow. And so I called uh, the doctor, my plastic surgeon, which sounds so cool to say. <laughs> yeah, I call a plastic surgeon, bada boom. And I was like, uh, you're, hey, really you're really LA now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've made it. I'm an Angelino. <laughs> uh, so my guy tells me, he says, um, <laughs> so he goes, I go, hey, I'm, 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 I'm bleeding out. My mom is here, but we can't hold it in. What should we do? And he goes, sorry, can't help you because of the kind of incision, it would be a non-sterile site. So he said, either you have to compress it yourself or take yourself to the emergency room and they could compress it for you. But I just had ab surgery. So I couldn't, I wasn't able to move around a lot. And uh, the gash had become so big. I mean, four inches long and about two inches wide on my side is letting go that I was like, I have to stay here. And the cool thing or the funny thing about almost dying is that you get scared and nervous until there's a point where you go hey you know what i okay i get it this is this is how i go wow. and there's a bunch of small regrets oh, i wish i did this i wish i invested in bitcoin da, da, da. Uh, i wish i had more dates but there's two big regrets i had for some reason yeah, by the way couch. i have those all the time anyway <laughs> 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 
<laughs> but I had two random regrets and it was yeah. one, I never learned how to ride a motorcycle, yeah. uh, which I eventually did. I, I, I have to get back onto it too. And as I never tried comedy, I was a fan of Tonight Show. I'm a big late night show nerd. I have the books on it. I, I'm a big Leno guy. People aren't, but I am. Uh, I never tried comedy. And I said, if I survive the night, why not? And uh, so I basically put all the weight on my wound. And since I had ab surgery, I couldn't go on my stomach and I couldn't go on my left side or my right side. So I was basically on one cheek overnight. Woke up, the, the site had congealed, like thankfully. I mean, it's still huge. And so we end up sealed together. But I said, like Ian Fleming says, you only live twice, once when you're born and once when you stare death in the face. And I said, I survived it. This is your new lease of life. You could have died last night. You got to find a way to do these two things that somehow randomly pop into your head when you're about to die. So I took a comedy class. I know a lot of OG comics don't like saying that, but I took a comedy class. And after six months, uh, my first class was at the Comedy Store, which is a famous building here in LA. So my first time performing comedy was three minutes, but it was at the Comedy Store. Felt the vibe of what it means to be a comic and make people laugh over drinks and dark room. And I was off to the races. So August 10th, 2014 is a comedy anniversary. I celebrate every year. But comedy or, or committing to doing something I really want to do really opened me up for everything I do today. Wow. Well, yes, the, stepping on the stage is a... Uh... Uh, scary, scary thing to do the first couple of times. <laughs> Don't know how you do it. You're improv. That's a whole different thing. Like I, I lift weights on stage. You do CrossFit. That is just <laughs> you're an inspiration, man. <laughs> I'm not good at it, <laughs> but you do it. <laughs> I just I, I make people come watch me and torture them for the 15 minutes that I'm doing it for. <laughs> yeah, I always tell you the best thing about improv. The best thing it did for me was I did failure, like learning how to fail. And oh to yeah, like that made me okay with doing almost anything else yeah uh, you can't turn the audience you can't be like well picking this was a bad suggestion i don't know that word. Short form. <laughs> it's always the audience's fault what are you talking about yeah. <laughs> it's fun i highly recommend it by the way improv i talk about it all the time highly recommend Ooh. it uh i tried stand-up and i loved it oh my god it was that was the best i think the best night on stage for me ever was the one night i did stand-up or i did it i guess three times now but um it takes so much time like improv we just go to our improv i have a troupe and we meet once a week and we freaking play like we're five years old on a playground for a half an hour and then perform once a month yeah. uh stand up you have to work on that all the time like all it's it's integrated a part of your life right like that's it it is and it isn't and don't don't undersell improv work i see the warm-ups i see the, the bad raps and clap claps those are pretty cool too don't be like oh we just show up and we just hang out no it, it is a lot of work and it's it's very easy when I won't say you're working comedian because that sounds like you're getting paid. It's it's very easy when you're, not, when you're doing the open mics and small shows, the bar shows, you get paid like $20 a night or a handshake or a drink ticket to get discouraged because you are going to these places where you have material. You don't know it's funny because if it's funny or if you don't know if it's funny because no one is paying attention to you because they're at a bar on their first date and you're doing jokes in the backgrounds and there's comics that like collect open mic sites. I did six shows today. And like, well, I went to one thing two weeks ago. Am I still valid uh, kind of a thing? But that that comes down to the the faith in self, right? Like if you know that 
you have a story and you have a perspective to tell, you're, you'll find a way to make that happen. And it's funny you mentioned that question to me now, not to like a lord or everybody. I'm in pretty much a lower point of my career. We're coming out of the pandemic. I'm a little slower to embrace the, the it never happened vibe. I still wear masks when I'm online for things, you know, for example. <laughs> uh, and comedy clubs are basically built to keep you inside, right? So I'll go to a show. I have performed, but not at the clip I was doing before, touching the same mic nine times a day. And it's very easy to me to go, am I there? Am I relevant? Is this is the show still for me? Is comedy still for me? I think I'm funny. I I, I can still go. And 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 that's been kind of the, the conversation I have. And so for anyone that wants to do stand-up, I always say don't treat it like a an art or a science. It's a sport, right? There's days you don't feel like training, you have to train. There's mm-hmm. days when you are telling your jokes all wrong, but you crush. And you're like, well, that was a gutsy win there, John. You know, and there's times you play very well and you get booed off stage. And, and that's kind of the, the learn from your losses thing. And so it is kind of a, a dedication, but that I think more or less than becoming a seamstress or becoming a coder or becoming an improv star is just a commitment to the bit. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's wild how a different audience can react so differently to the same exact material. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's wild. That, yeah. that it's hard for anyone to understand that until they're in their position. <laughs> Absolutely. Even the same town. I live in Los Angeles and, and jokes that hit in Hollywood don't hit in Burbank because yeah. of the demographics of how it's made up. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a lot of work even in between, like in between your shows, you're con- you have to constantly be writing. You have to constantly be refining. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of dedication that goes into that. Yeah, one of my favorite comedy heroes of all time, Weird Al Yankovic, <laughs> stopped making albums, not because he didn't have ideas. It was just that he was up with TikTok and YouTube. You have to come up with really, really obscure takes to protect the uniqueness of your work because you could do parodies all the time. When that song, I'm kind of dating myself, but 10 years ago, there was a song by Pitbull called um, uh, Timber. It's going down. I'm gone in Timber like with Kesha. And if you search Tinder, Timber parody, you will see pages of people with the same idea and the same concept. So it is harder to come up with different angles and stuff. And now comedians are now clipping out their material on TikTok, which is great for them. I'm not knocking that. But then you run the risk of saying, so a fan going, hey, look, that comedian says something similar. You're biting jokes. You're like, oh, I'm not a joke stealer. I didn't mean to. And then you got to reevaluate and say, is this person famous enough for us to have a similar take? No, he's too famous. Cut it out. And that's kind of a thing too. So like there is challenges with that um, when, it, when it comes to, to, to the work involved. But I think that what makes it fun for me is that when I have people in the room, in the moment, so the hard work of putting your name on, on flyers and buying Facebook ads and all that stuff, we have people in the room in the moment you can alleviate their pain for the day or the time and the set you're on then it's all worth it so yes i hate having to go up and be like please come to my show send or i hate trying to go to open mics and knowing no one cares but you have that show and everyone goes oh my gosh you really chewed me up then it's worth it oh it feels so good it feels so good yeah i was thinking the other day <laughs> there's there's a cover bands for musicians why couldn't one of us be a uh, like cover a comic <laughs> i yeah, i don't know why it's it, rock it's, is okay but comedy and hip-hop you can't you can't do it <laughs> oh you're, you're it's it's the it's, it's you're, you're the devil at that point it's, right. it's terrible it's the worst I'm thing up you can in do the club, bottom full of bullets, it's my 
<laughs> but what if I announced myself? What if I had the whole poster? What if the whole thing was I'm a, a cover comic and I <laughs> contribute to like the family, you know, a little Jim Carrey, a little. Just <laughs> uh, go around touring a bus, just like imitating everyone's. Uh -huh. <laughs> a little carrot head, you know, like a carrot top. I don't know that right. <laughs> well, that's uh, you should get back out there and you should forget about uh, COVID at this point. That's my advice to you. Yeah, for real. Everyone's yeah. looking at me like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah we all got to, it's, it's there for good. So <laughs> I try to ignore it at this point. Um, how did you get into video game commentary? Oh, so imagine to COVID. Uh, here, here is a guy who has these perspectives on the world. And in 2020, you were told you're not essential. Right. So stay inside. And I that happens as to everyone, but for me it was a split in my career because I got into podcasting because of the pandemic. I'm wearing to hold jokes, there's no one around. But definitely esports is kind of the, the uh, other branch of that. So there's a game I play, it's called Rocket League. It's basically cars playing soccer. You know, you have a little car with a little rocket boost and try to put a ball into a net. Very fun and, game. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm terrible at it though. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and actually I joined a senior Facebook group. My seniors, I mean, video game players over the age of 30, if you can believe that. Yeah, that, that I mean, <laughs> makes sense. Uh, I mean, even, you know, I'm 48 and my fingers don't move as fast as my 12 year old son, you know. It's oh like... <laughs> yeah, for real. It's true. Decline is real. <laughs> they had a tournament uh, in, in April of 2020, so right in the peak peak pandemic, and and I asked if they do do like any kind of commentary. So at first, commentary for me, I thought was like telling jokes, like, "Hey, move over, Grandpa! Time for your nap. You know, it's time for prunes or whatever." <laughs> and afterwards, someone said, "Hey, look, your voice is pretty cool. You ever tried uh, casting?" And I was like, "Like a movie? Like I don't know, like an acting cast?" And it goes, "No, it's short for shout casting. It's kind of like what John Madden does." rest and so rest speeds but for these games and i go i'll give it a shot i'm going nowhere that's what i'm doing <laughs> and that kind of opened the door because because i'm older and because my influences from are from real sports i come in with more of a psychological element to a game because i can't really tell you i'm not interested in telling you what buttons this guy pressed to make that move happen i go oh my gosh this this goal is an equalizer with two seconds to go in the end of the regulation can you imagine the feeling he must be feeling and a lot of times people forget that and they go, oh my gosh, you're great. You're amazing. And that kind of opened the door for me to do these other events, just being able to share a love for a game I played when things were bleak for me professionally or personally, when I wanted to escape, I played this game but to, to be able to share it through my insight uh, with that has just been so much fun and I'm able to slip in jokes and slip in new material because I have that audience I was telling you about, right? Again, right. If I'm, if I'm wa people watching this game, a lot of casuals don't know what the hell is going on. I slip in a joke, they crack up. I go, okay, that works, you know. So that was one of the cool byproducts of, of being uh, locked inside. That's that's really fascinating. And it's, it's neat the way you you go about the video game commentating because people would think it's just kind of almost technical, but it's not. It's just like any other sport. So why not? Yeah, yeah. Why not remind people that? Why not? You know, there's a there's a person behind it. <laughs> well, people usually just see what's moving on the screen so it's oh absolutely and just for context though, i'm in my, my mid to late 30s right so i'm from a, a time where video games were played if you did your chores you get an hour a week or maybe two hours during uh, thanksgiving and so the kid generation pa past me because generation z now uh, gen z i don't know what they call them post millennials <laughs> people uh that, that's like a career a legit career path and so you'll be in this booth with with, with me i think i'm playing with house money 
You know what I mean? With some kid who's trying really hard, kid, young adult trying really hard to make this a career. And so they can focus on things like technical moves and you can be the fun guy who's a little bit loose to help out the show. And I think that's what's cool about entertainment is that you play a role and you can get your, your solo time in as like music solos, but at the end of the day, you're making a production of why this match matters or why people care. And people go, oh my gosh, I felt a certain way with these different personality types. So to me, that helped me sharpen my iron because sometimes you go out to these comedy shows. I've been back to, I went to Alaska this year uh, in April and they are appreciate more of the dark humor, but they love late night dark humor. So like you can be suggestive as you want, just don't say explicitly what's going on. And they love it. They love that being able to make that leap themselves. Whereas if you're in deep Hollywood, they want that tag. They want you to say the word. They want you to say the actual graphic description. Not in a bad way. It's just, that's kind of the way that is. Um, but I got that skill sharpened when you're telling funny jokes to you at the same time, 12 year old kids and their 30 year old parents watching their 12 year old kids play and you'll know what works and what doesn't right you have to be super observant you you really uh it sounds like you are it sounds like you pick up a lot of the nuances that uh, most people wouldn't be picking up on it kind of comes back in a feedback loop because reading the crowd came from dj right because hey this song's a banger but they ain't dancing. <laughs> what <laughs> what do you what do you do? And gotta find it's like a puzzle in the time. That's why you pay for a DJ. Sometimes I go, like, I'm rambling now, but with couples, I go, Oh, we're thinking about having a Spotify playlist. I'm like, it could be the best dang playlist on the planet. If no one's feeling it at the time, it's gonna be background music like the gap or Abercrombie, you know what I mean? So you need someone to see and go, oh wait, they like that beat drop, but it was Latin. Let me try some more Latin music in the mix. Oh, okay, now what? Let me see how I can go from here to the 80s. And that's what you're really paying for when you have someone, a human algorithm <laughs> at right. these events. And it's the same thing I pull from my comedy or even esports. If that kind of humor isn't working and they want more serious stuff, my co-caster is so nervous, they won't even respond to a joke of, of mine. Let me find a way to adjust to make sure I'm still me, but the show itself gets to be as strong as it can be. Right. Have you had, I mean, with comedy, we've all had it where the audience doesn't laugh. Have you had a DJ experience where you just couldn't get them off their feet? It was just uh, <laughs> all the time. That, that is all the time. So sometimes it's not out of your hands. Sometimes there's, there's couples that are like, oh, we don't want to keep them bored. So we'll have shuffleboard and we'll have bags, a cornhole, and, and we'll have a face painting station. And I go, that's all great. But if I'm out in the sun in my dress clothes and I see these things set up, I'm going to treat it like it's a bar and hang out and drink, right? And so when you say now it's time to dance, it's like, what do I do? And I also say the last thing you want to do as someone who's been a guest to many weddings, because I met that my friend's marrying age, is that you don't want that DJ who's like, everybody dance now, jump, jump, where is everybody? Like, you don't want to do that either. Uh, and so there's sometimes you can find and unlock what works for them. Some, now, what's funny for us is that most people getting married are their late 20s to early 40s. So the disco of our time is 90s hip hop. Like everyone gets on the dance floor. When I go, it's hot and <laughs> it's hot and hurt because everyone knows that song. Right, right. Uh, but even when I first started, it was all disco, all things like that. But re reading the crowd is, is super important. Important. And there's some events like bombing on stage where you give them everything, but when the night's over, you pack up going, I am a hack. I don't know why they even booked me. I'm going to quit and open a deli in Queens. <laughs> and there's some events where you say, ah, here's some songs. And they're like, oh, DJ, you crushed it. And you go, I am a fraud. I don't know why they booked it. I'm going to open this deli in Queens. You know, and it's kind of entertainment that way, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
get out there for my improv people will laugh and i'm like i didn't even mean for that to be like (laughs) i'm still not even sure why they thought that was funny (laughs) stop laughing i'm terrible (laughs) it's weird with comedy like that though sometimes you'll write a whole joke and they'll laugh at the part that wasn't even meant to be the joke yeah (laughs) Uh, i think that's one of the things that's the thing I, I lose. So people always ask me, what's the things that you have to work on? If you're doing all these comedy things, you should be perfect at it. And I go, the first thing that goes uh, in any kind of simulated environment, being at home, uh, the podcast, is timing. Sign up comedy timing is very unique to the art form. And so when I was in my bag, as the kids say, when someone would do that, I would stop and dwell on the part they laughed at before even getting to my punchline to really put them, make the audience part of the, the experience. But when you're at home for six months to a year and you go back, you're so used to set up punchline, set up punchline. You have to train yourself to have moments because otherwise it would throw you off. Like, hey, hey, don't laugh at that part. That part's a serious part. <laughs> I'm kidding the funny part. You know what I mean? And so you don't want to do that either. And so it's a good thing you mentioned that because it does happen. Yeah, and it's hard. You're you're in a rhythm but your audience is in a rhythm and if those rhythms collide even if it's because they're laughing which is a good thing it's hard to get back on that rhythm it's hard Mm -hmm. to yeah hard to try to back yeah so out of all of these what's what's your favorite venue what's your favorite venue to perform in what's your favorite uh out of all of these different talents what's your favorite thing to be doing Uh, venue to perform in for for every one of those are obviously different uh Mm because i i do more weddings and events um here's a place in for the dj stuff there's a place in la called uh the bel-air bear club bel bel air bay club and i always said if i ever got married i would get married there uh only because i hate sand i live in la and i hate sand Okay. So if I invite my family from the West Coast, I want to be able to have a venue that looks at the beach, but it's far mm-hmm. away from the beach. That looks fancy, but not too fancy. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's you, what I'll do it. You know, it's uh, funny. I'm I, sorry. I'm I'm with you with sand. I love water. Like I love going in the ocean. Oh, yeah. I, like, I like finding like coves where it's rocks you walk on to get in and not freaking sand. We're here. It gets everywhere. Like, in yeah. between the toes, inside that, that, you know, when you like buy like a swim, swim trunks, it gets you like a little like, like, like nether region basket that gets yeah. in there. Like it's everywhere. <laughs> and it comes home with you. You don't leave it behind. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So it's almost like go to the beach. I'm like, are we renting a car and we're going to a hotel afterwards? Because otherwise. <laughs> Uh, uh, as a comedian there's there's a goal of mine my favorite venue i've ever performed in was definitely uh it was a small bar in toronto but that was the first time i ever did economy internationally or outside of of la at the time so the 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 corner in toronto is a a really big thing for me but uh being from brooklyn there's a place they restored on flatbush which is the neighborhood outside my neighborhood called king's theater and I would love to be able to, to perform there just because of, of what that means to me. You know, Brooklyn was my third parent. It raised me. I, may, I still have a, a, a auto anti-theft device club for my car. <laughs> and I've been driving 20 years because I'm from Brooklyn. You don't understand. And so yep. it'd be uh, kind of cool to bring that full circle. And, I had a and, Honda, I had a 89 Honda Prelude back in the day. And yeah. one day the window was broken. The whole key was jacked. And there was a note on the steering wheel from the police that they caught the guy in the process. And I should oh, talk. dang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was New York. Was, oh, <laughs> man. It, it, do, it does make you think differently and people always ask because I, I live in LA are you are you an Angelino and I go no I never felt I, I was I've been here 15 years you know uh but but lastly the video game stuff there's things called lands that's like 
them live. So like you do either these tournaments virtually or you go to an event and they like have an arena and there's like a, a professional computers and people play the games in real space. Those are called lands. I would love to do one for Rocket League, uh, professional, like the, the main circuit, RLCS. Uh, the world championships were in uh, Dallas last summer. So to be able to go up that ranks to be chosen for that would be kind of cool. So for, for either expression of what I'm working on, I have goals when it comes to that. Okay. Is there any one of these that you'd like to be doing the most of? Um, I always say that I'm comedy first. Uh, right now, immediately, I get more work and exposure doing the, the esports stuff. You know, I've been doing comedy for eight years. I've been a DJ for seven. I've been teaching under my own banner for five. But I, as someone who's been doing video game commentary for a year and a half, that was the first time I was recognized in public. Yeah. The first time someone was like, oh my gosh, you're you're Novanta. I'm like, yes, I am. Can I have an autograph and a photo? And I was like, are you going to sell it? Like what, what, that never happened with everything else. I'm not chasing the fame necessarily. But right now, that's kind of like the, the sign from above or the universe or your mama to say, hey, you know, keep going. It's very easy to stop this and, and work at an enterprise rental car if you want to, because you have the ability, because you have a marketing background, but keep working on entertainment. Um, but ideally, though, I'm always comedy first. So I would love to be able to go on tour or I would love to have my own late night variety show. That's always been the dream dream. Yeah. Even though late night TV is constricting because they're canceling people and, and people don't watch late night TV anymore and there's YouTube clips and stuff like that. But to be able to have it, my friends call me, call it Flopito tonight, uh, will be like the dream dream. So anywhere I need to do to get to that level, I would love and I would try to move heaven and earth to do so. So two comedy albums in the bag now, they're available now, but I'm working on comedy album three to make sure, almost like a professor, that my work is current. I can keep yeah. going forward. Got you. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Again. Thank you for being here. This has been tons of fun. And now I want to get back out there more. So you're oh. super, you're super funny. So I'm going to have to, I definitely Thanks, want to check out your comedy. And you got the tag team, man. You have an improv show. I'll, 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 I'll be there. I'll private jet. And by private, I mean like, 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 Jet blue, but <laughs> I'm, in, I'm located in, I'm in Washington, DC. <laughs> oh, blue. cool. That's even have, better. You'll have a private seat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the seat is all mine. I'll definitely see you live. Uh, so people can find you at flowbito.com, F-L-O-B-I-T-O.com. Any other websites or anything else you want me to mention right here? So one of the cool things about being all of this is that I'm ahead of my own podcast network. Uh, learn more about my podcast and all the shows under that at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W amsterdam.com and i saw some stories today on this podcast about my surgery and started my business i go more detail about that in my memoir graduation day available on amazon so if you want to know stories about how i lost the weight if you want to know stories about how i went to italy to save my dj business and i got lost in fiore check it out graduation day available now on amazon Okay. And we will post the links below. This will be on YouTube and all the other podcast networks. So I will post the links. So check out the links, click on them, go check them out. Again, thank you so much. And this has been a Dweebs Global production. They give free mentorship help, everything from resume writing to mental health. Again, free, 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 completely confidential. And they literally have people around the world, every language, every place. So need any type of help, please reach out right away. Dweebsglobal.org.